Today we're talking all about peace. And this is just an FYI, this is part of a two-part series. So the guys are going to go ahead and put on the screen peace. They'll get to eventually. Man, I can just make fun of them back there. Taylor loves to make fun of me, and I can make fun of them for being distracted. So this is great. Well, you know, I've been knowing that I was going to be teaching about um, on Mother's Day for a long time. And so I've just been in the process of, God, what do you want to speak to us? You know, what is a word in due season? And just again and again and again, it just kept coming back. Peace, peace. And I want to tell you that over the last couple of months, I have really lived this one out. And God has shown me so much. And I feel like I have grown so much as a mom and as a person, as a Christian. And it all has to do with peace. Because personally, I think so many Christians live without peace. And we don't have to, right? Um, We as followers of Christ should be the most peaceable or peace-knowing people on the entire planet. Because we serve the Prince of peace. So that reminds me of one of the Peanuts cartoons. Anybody like Peanuts? You know, Lucy, Charlie Brown. Well, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, you know, she just has the best attitude ever, right? She's like, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole wide world. Can you picture her saying that? And Charlie says, but I thought you had inner peace. Lucy replies, I do have inner peace, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. And I don't know about you, but we have a lot of outer obnoxiousness. And the key is how can we live with peace amidst outer obnoxiousness? So peace. When I think of peace, I think to my favorite place in the entire world. It's Corona Del Mar Beach, California. So I I wanted to bring a picture to share with you because this is my all-time favorite place right here. Most of you or a lot of you know I grew up in Southern California. And my grandparents had a house on the ocean and... This was really close to the view. It's called, um, it's in Orange County, just the sunsets over the beach. And it's actually where Taylor proposed to me when I unknowingly planned my own proposal. So, I mean, it is the place. And when I think of peace, I'm just like, "Ah, the beach. And fun fact, if you saw the movie Jesus Revolution, anybody see that? Um, The baptism scenes were actually filmed there. Pirate's Cove is at Corona Del Mar Beach to give you a little context. So anybody here a beach person? Got to have some audience participation. Okay. Well, this beach person married a mountain person. You know, they say opposites attract. And Taylor, when he thinks of peace, he thinks of this place, Red River, New Mexico. And his parents and grandparents and aunt and uncle, they have houses there. And he grew up going on vacation to Red River. So I know when Taylor's thinking about somewhere peaceful or a sense of peace, his thoughts, am I right, Tay? What? That's right. Our, you know, it's Red River, the aspen trees, whatever. Um, But it's it's funny, actually. We'll smell a campfire. We'll be out somewhere, and I'm like, the beach. And he's like, Red River. And I mean, it's just, you know, the opposites attract. Anybody here a mountain person? Anybody find? No? A couple? Okay. You mountain people. Um, So often, we as humans and Christians even, we think that peace is based on circumstances or a specific location. I would have peace if only dot, dot, dot. You know, I could have a better job, or we could just move, or um, if I just had a better diagnosis, or if I was married to somebody else. But biblical peace has absolutely nothing to do with the outward. 
It's really what's on the inside that matters. So here's what I mean for all you visual learners out there. There's a picture. It's a painting by Jack E. Dawson. It's called Peace in the Middle of a Storm. And if you look at it, it doesn't look very peaceful, right? Not what you'd think. There's this crazy storm happening. Like I said, I'm from Southern California. We don't like storms in California. We have earthquakes. We don't have crazy storms. To me, that's not peaceful. And then there's this crazy waterfall situation that's happening. You know, if you were coming to that in a canoe or something, not peaceful. But if you will look on this next slide there, I've circled something. Let me see. There is a bird nesting on that little crag there, smack dab in the middle of that storm, completely at peace. It's protected from the surrounding chaos. So did you catch that? It is possible to be at peace in the middle of a storm. What is biblical peace? The peace of God is different, in case you haven't noticed, it's different than the peace of the world. Biblical peace is more than just the absence of conflict. It's taking action to restore a broken situation. It's more than a state of inner tranquility where they're like, "Mm, I'm at peace. No, it's a state of wholeness and completeness. All is well. It's knowing everything's going to be okay. My soul is at rest. Doesn't that sound nice, right? It's not something that we can create on our own because it's a fruit of the spirit. God, in the Bible, it says that he is Yahweh Shalom, which means God or the Lord is peace. And Jesus, like we said, is the prince of peace. And he even told the storm, he said, peace be still. He is peace. So you better believe that if he is the God of peace, that we are called to live in and by peace. There are so many people that are looking for peace in the all around places, right? They're looking for it in drugs, in alcohol, in relationships, in popularity. Taylor likes to make fun of Louis Vuittons, in your fancy purses or more clothes or whatever it may be. That may bring outward happiness for a little while, but it doesn't bring inward peace. In your notes, it says at the very top, this is a quote by Alexander McLaren. He was a Scottish minister. He said, peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of Christ. Don't you love that? And cry, invite Christ into your situation and see how things will change. In John 16, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in the world or that in me, you may have peace because in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he doesn't say that life will be easy, that if you're a Christian, you're exempt from hardship, but it means that he will be with you. He will go before you that he already knows the outcome, and that he is the victor. He's on our side. So we don't have to live ill at ease and worried and upset, but we can have peace knowing that. So today we're going to talk about five ways how we can live and maintain a life of peace. Next week, we're going to finish part two. So you get me for two weeks. That's right. This is a two-part series. So number one, how do we have peace? Number one, put your trust in him. And if you don't have notes, you can grab them at that back table if you are a note taker. And there's pens back there. So number one, put your trust in him. Know that he will never let you down. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, those, they just go hand in hand, hope, joy, and peace. 
It's like one works with the other, and it's just kind of like almost like the food chain, you know, it just goes around and around, or like the water cycle around and around and around. God is the source of ultimate hope. He fills us with joy and peace when we put our hope and our trust in him. So we have to do our part, and he will do his part. That's right. Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's not really something we say a lot, like my mind is stayed on Taylor. If you're stayed on God, it's not, you're not stayed on the circumstances. So what does stayed mean? It almost means fixed or like almost obsessively so. A lot of you know we have a dog, a mini golden doodle named Maggie, and she is a doll. She's a year and a half, an all puppy. Anybody have a puppy or had a puppy? Yeah, okay. Well, Maggie is Miss Sociable, and she loves being with us, but when we leave the house, Maggie goes and sits on her front windowsill, and she guards the house. She has stayed on guarding her house. It doesn't matter if our neighbor, who she knows, doesn't matter if it's the FedEx guy, doesn't matter if somebody's walking by, that dog is so stayed on protecting our house. And you better believe that she's going to be barking. And she is just there. That's her place. She is stayed on it, just like we should be stayed on him. So your peace is directly related to your level of trust. Did you catch that? Your peace is directly related to your level of trust. The more you trust him, the more what you will have. Peace you will have. It's in your notes. It says, if you believe and have faith that God is truly in control, then there is no need to fear or worry. God's peace will sustain you. His peace is like a shield. It's what protects you from fear and anxiety. If you've got that, you are covered. Do you remember being a kid? Or a teenager. I mean, are you really your kid or teenager? If you haven't experienced the trust fall. Anybody ever do the trust fall? Okay. So, you know, the trust fall, you just have someone behind you and you just, woo, and go back. Anybody ever been dropped? Come on. Anybody been dropped? Okay. If you have been dropped, does that make you trust a little less next time? Yes. What? Like, we can't always trust our friends. We can always trust God because he will never drop you. Um, so speaking of dropping, Taylor and I, when we were first married, we built a house after our first year of marriage in Stillwater out in the country, and we learned a lot about each other. If you've ever built a house with your spouse, especially at the beginning, you learn a lot. And um, we learned that Taylor is very decisive, and I'm very not decisive. And he's really handy, and I'm really not handy. And so we grew a lot, or rather I grew a lot in that process. And I have to say I'm a lot more mature in that, but I still, I kind of just let him choose this stuff. Now I've learned he's decisive. He can decide. So we're newly married and we're moving into our house. We didn't hire movers. We're doing it ourselves. And it was hot and I was tired and we're bringing in a TV. And you know, back in like 2010, flat screen TVs, they weren't as thin as they are now. It was and it was really heavy. It was heavy. It was heavy. And I just had about had it. And we're going through the threshold of the house. And I was like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm dropping it. And I dropped the TV on the threshold. And the TV didn't make it. Taylor wasn't very happy. That was probably the most expensive thing in our house. Yes, it is like 14 years later, and he still gives me a hard time about dropping things. But you know what? Like, I dropped that. 
God will never drop you. He will never drop you. Drop you. He will carry those burdens. Like it was too much for me to bear, but I knew that I know that God will take those burdens. So that actually brings us to our next point. Number two, surrender. Surrender. Give him your burdens and let him do what only he can do. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I quote it all the time. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is what? Easy, and my burden is light. Peace comes with surrender. It takes action on our part. Elizabeth Elliot, um, the great missionary, once said, If my life is surrendered to God, all is well. It's in your notes there. Don't you want all to be well in your life? Yeah, but it takes surrender. Um, You know, if if you want to find true peace, you have to surrender your anxiety, your worries, your fears, your past, whatever it may be. But you have to give it to him. You know, a couple weeks ago, Taylor talked about worry. We're kind of just extending that a little bit. There's some spinning going on here. And he talked about worry and how we need to give it to God. You know, so often we're going around life, and I filled up my backpack here with some stuff. We're worried about, are we losing enough weight? Like, I can't get these last half of new pounds off. And we're worrying about, oh, what if I get a, some, what if there's layoffs at my work? And the price of groceries are going way up. I have a heavy book and a weight. All these things that we just put in our little peripheral backpack. And here's what we do. All these worries. All these fears. It's like those middle school kids you see. You know, and they have all their books in their backpack. And they're walking around like this. And it's heavy, right? And I'm just going about my life, but I keep thinking about all these things. It's like, oh, my past and this, and man, I'm about to go to the doctor, and what if it doesn't turn out how how it planned? And what if, what if, what if, what if, right? I mean, that sounds, sounds like I'm being dramatic, but truly, this is how we live. And it's like, oh, I want to serve in church, but I can't because of, I'm just afraid, and Um, you know, I want to help you, but I'm sorry, this is kind of heavy. Like, I want to help you move, Taylor, but I can't. (laughs) I got this, it's too heavy. And we walk around like this, but if only, Tristan, can I borrow you? If only we would say, God, I can't carry him anymore. And I give it up to you because you are a lot stronger than me. And he'll, and he'll do what? He'll take him for you. And he's got it. And I don't have to, to be going around with all these heavy burdens and all, and all these worries and anxieties because he's got them for me. And that's what God will do for you. We do our part and he'll do his part. Thank you, Tristy. Just throw that on the ground there. Just stick it there. Because those things are heavy, right? And they wear us out. They wear us down. Taylor's aunt Nancy, uh, Nancy Dufresne, she has a saying. It's in your notes. How do you know you're worrying if you're thinking about it? I never thought of myself as a worrier. I don't worry. No, I don't worry. Ooh, but I'm thinking about it. You know, I was writing this sermon in the waiting room of the dentist. 
David was there and Abigail. Matthew, our five-year-old, had to get some dental work done, and he had to be semi-sedated. And, you know, that's just, that's kind of something that you would think is worrisome. He's gone. This is his third time. The first two times he had to be put fully under. And I was just honestly a wreck before. I'd be teaching in my classroom. And you know that, that when you're doing something and you have that thought and your stomach drops and it's just like, oh, and it's just out of nowhere. And it would come again and again and again, no matter what I was doing. And I'd just be worrying about it and thinking about it. Well, we went to Aunt Nancy's. Um, she had a miracle healing crusade in Tulsa. And she was talking about worry and how it's a sin. You have to surrender those worries to God. And it really struck a chord with me. And I realized I've been giving into this sin of worry. I was thinking I wasn't worried. I'm just hashing it out in my mind. I'm just mentally preparing myself. I wasn't doing that. I was worrying. And it was a sin. And so this last time when I took Matthew, it was literally like night and day. I didn't worry about it. Truly, I, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't dwelling on it. And you know what? It all turned out. It was good. I knew One, I knew that I could trust the dentist, right? It's not like that we just, oh, trust whatever, whatever may come. And don't use wisdom and say, oh, I'm trusting God. We have to use wisdom. But this time, I wasn't wasting all that time. I wasn't anxious. My face wasn't breaking out because I was worried about it. I was trusting God and surrendering. And it makes such a huge difference because worry is a waste. What is it? Worry is a waste. And peace is the result of faith. So how do we have peace in our lives? By surrendering those burdens right over there, surrendering them to him. Number three. How do we have peace? Seek for peace with others. So we're not talking about just peace, peace with God, peace with yourself. We're talking about peace with others. How's everybody doing so far? You okay? Come on, you doing okay? Okay. All right, we need to humble, humble yourself and know that you don't always have to win. It's not a competition. You don't always have to be, oh, I one-upped you. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, because sometimes it doesn't depend on us, but when you can, live peaceably with all, because peace is the platform of our witness. People are watching, right? Like Taylor said a few weeks ago, do we have a soft touch with others? When we are at a checkout stand, and the person who's checking you out is being super slow and being kind of rude. Are you rude and snippy back? Are you snarky? I was at UPS the other week, and there were people just complaining like crazy. And when I went there, I was like, hey, you're doing a great job. Like, thank you. What are our attitudes like? Are we peaceable and peace-loving, peace-givers? Because God empowers us by the Holy Spirit to be peace Makers. When you're on the road, are you a peacemaker? When you disagree with a coworker, are you a peacemaker? What about when your spouse does something annoying? Are you a peacemaker? Is it your first instinct to just jump on them, or do you maybe give them the benefit of the doubt? That's being a peacemaker. And firmness, FYI, isn't the same as rudeness. It's okay to be firm. I have a firm stance, but I'm not going to be rude about it. And humility gets a bad rep because we're talking about being humble. C.S. Lewis says this, and it's in your notes. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So it's putting others first and having an attitude that it's not all about me. 
Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. We're daughters of God. You want to be a son of God or a daughter of God? Man, I know I do. So I have to be a peacemaker. Um, C.S. Lewis also said, a proud man, I like this, said a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that's above you. Ooh, so a haughty attitude gets your focus off of God. You can't see him when you're too busy looking down. You can't be, God, what do you want? You know, what do, what do I need to do? Abigail, um, there's a, lady, a girl in the Bible named Abigail. Anybody ever heard of her? Maybe? Yes? No? Maybe so? Okay, well, we have a daughter named Abigail, so I have a soft spot for Abigail. My Abigail is eight years old, and I love this story of Abigail in the Bible. She's an Old Testament character. Um, her story is found in 1 Samuel for Samuel 25, actually. And what's really cool about Abigail is the Bible actually says that she is, let me make sure I say it right, intelligent and beautiful. She was intelligent and beautiful. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to be intelligent and beautiful. That'd be pretty cool to be known by. And she was married to a wealthy man named Nabal. Okay, so everything wasn't daisies and roses with Abigail because her husband, Nabal, Nabal, was crude and mean. And David, you know, he's going to be the future king of Israel. He and his men are in the wilderness. So let me kind of set this up. And it's sheep shearing time, and they are exhausted, and they come to Naval's property, and they, David sends a messenger, or 10 actually messengers, and says, you know, I took, when my men were in the fields with your men, we protected them. We kept your shepherds safe, that we didn't do any harm to them. So would you repay my kindness for kindness. You would think so, right? I mean, that's not all out of line. And they said, would you give us some provisions? And Naval just sends back this seething reply. And he's like, who are you? Who's this David? Who's this son of Jesse? Why should I give my provisions to you? Like, I don't even care who you are. No way, no how, no thanks. And David is not really peaceable in this. And he tells his men, strap on your swords. We're going into battle. We're not going to leave anyone in his household alive. He's going to take them out. He doesn't even care. He's like, how dare he act that way? So David's getting ready for battle to take out Naval and his entire household. In the meantime, a servant tells Abigail what happened and says that those men, David's men took care of us. They didn't harm us. This is what Naval said. What can you do? And in verse 18, it says, Abigail acted quickly. She took, get this, 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sias of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. That's more than just, I'm going to throw a casserole from the freezer in the oven and come on over. I mean, she was like, that takes some effort. So then she comes riding her donkey into a ravine. This girl's adventurous. She sends on her, um, her servants, and she meets David, and she bows down. She's humble, and she says, um, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention to that wicked man of all. He is just like his name. His, maid, his name 
means fool. And she goes on and blesses David and tells him that he'll have a lasting legacy. And she is the peacemaker. And she says, would you please not have, pretty much, would you not kill us? Would you not destroy us? Uh, but in a much more grand way. And, and she says that you don't want innocent, you don't want this blood on your head when you're king someday. And then she said, when you have success, would you remember me? And she finds favor with David. And as it ends up, David completely changes his tune, doesn't destroy Nabal, the entire household. Abigail saved the day. There's a girl saving the day right there. But all because Abigail was a peacemaker. And that's how we can live too. You have no idea the impact that just a simple thing could be. A simple act of humility, a simple act of kindness. When someone's way up here, they're ha, ha, ha. And your, your response is to diffuse the situation. It's like, hey and just calm it down. We have no idea the impact that that could make. So we want to be peace-loving people just like Abigail. Can you guys do that? That's right. God is looking for the humble, and he opposes the proud. It's all about humility with God and with others. Okay, how else can we have peace? We're rounding on corner four here. Remember the goodness of God. Remember the goodness of God. Praise him and remain thankful. Psalm 103, 1 to 5 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeemed your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the renewed like the eagles. Man, that doesn't, doesn't that make you feel thankful? I mean, when you read stuff like that, it's like, yeah, that's right. I, he is like full of benefits. Yeah, he does. Look what he's done for me. Look at his great love. It, you have to recall his goodness. You have to. Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. So in remembering the goodness of God, you have a sense of God's faithfulness. That's like, he's got it all under control. It's a remembrance. And how can you do that? With prayer, with worship. Thank him for what he's done in your life. But keep going back. God, I thank you for this. Like you are so faithful. Look at how you've taken care of me time and time again. It's also reading in his word looking at his faithfulness through all those generations, or it's reading the book of Psalms. And when you read those, you're like, that's right. God is good. He's got it. Like, that's right. It's such a good reminder. I know that um, when, we, when we have gone through difficult times, that I will find a worship song and it just becomes my anthem. And I will play it hundreds of times. My kids will be in the car and they're like, mom, again. And I'm like, that's right again. The same, because it just gets inside of you and it builds your faith. And you remember, wow, that's right, God, you are so faithful. It's easy to look at everything that's going wrong, everything that's gone wrong, kind of pulling back those burdens, right? It's like, oh man, no, God is good. He's got this. When we choose thankful prayer, Priscilla Shire said this, when we choose thankful prayer over wallowing in anxiety and worry, we're demonstrating an unwavering trust in God. There's trust again. You see how these things, they just work together. It's like you remember his goodness and it helps you trust. 
I just love that. So you might need to go into your car on your lunch break, and you might just need to have a little prayer meeting, or you might need to go into the restroom at work and just be like, that's right. Remember Lynette saying when she'd be in the hospital and she would do the happy dance in the bathroom? You might need to do that, or wherever your place is, wherever you may be, or even my closet. Last night I was in my closet, and it's just like, God, and truly remember his what? His goodness. That's right. So what if you don't feel thankful? You don't have an excuse. You've got to be thankful. Because did you wake up this morning? Check. Okay, do you have friends? Check. Do you have the ability to go to church? Check. Do you have clothes to wear? I hope so. Check. Right? All these things. God is faithful. And you will find that the more thankful you are, the more peace and joy you will experience. Number five, our last one. Be persistent. Be persistent. Never give in to the devil. Take every thought captive consistently. There's some good words in there. Have you ever had a pesky salesperson that you just can't shake? <laughs> That's one of Taylor's pet peeves. You know, like looking at the furniture store, he's like, leave me alone. But I had this lady a few months ago, and she was selling makeup and skincare products. And she was like clockwork. This lady was persistent. And she was consistently persistent all the time. Hey, Adrienne, how's it going? What do you need? Da-da-da-da. Hey, this, just a reminder of this. Da-da-da-da. And all the time. And I was not interested, but I had to appreciate her persistence. She knew that someday it would pay off, right? And that's what persistence does. It will pay off in the end. We should be on our wayward, fearful, anxious thoughts like white on rye or like that pesky salesperson that you have it, I'm on it. There's another thought like, ooh, I'm scared about this. I'm on it. Or you know what? What if, ooh, what if, um... What could you be fearful about? Oh, what if everything keeps getting more and more expensive? What if, you know, and I don't get a raise that I need? Nope, it's like on it, on it, on it all the time, whatever it may be, because it's not a one-hit wonder. It's all the time, constant, persistently, all the time. It's not just, oh, I was, I didn't think about that one fearful thought this morning. No, it's maybe an hour later when it comes back again. No, I'm not going to think of that being persistent? Are you determined to be a peaceful person? Pastor Craig Rochelle says this, discipline is the bridge between who you are and who you want to become. It takes discipline. That's what sets us all apart. Are you disciplined? Are you disciplined to be on those thoughts? Like, ooh, it's coming again? Nope, I'm not going to think it. Joyce Meyer in her book, Battlefield of the Mind, such a good book, but she said one, it's in your notes, one of the greatest revelations in my, of my life is I can choose my thoughts and think things on purpose. In other words, I don't have to think about what just falls into my mind. Purposeful. You tell yourself what to think. You can do that. Did you know you can do that? You tell yourself what to think. That thought comes, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to think this instead. It's like that book, Eat This, Not That. You know, think this, not that. Because it doesn't matter, it's in your notes, what the outward circumstances look like. It doesn't matter what the outcome looks like. You have to take control of your wayward thoughts. It's like that whack-a-mole game. You know, have you ever played that at, uh, ever been with your kids at Chuck E. Cheese or at the fair? It's like those thoughts come, you're like, whack. No, 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 that's right. Think that mental picture in your head that as fast as they come, 
You're banging those puppies in, right? Whack-a-mole. Don't let those thoughts rule and reign in your life. Instead, you tell those thoughts who rules and reigns in your life, right? And it's the most high God that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's got this. He is good all the time. His faithfulness endures through all generations and that he will overcome. And so that is how you get and maintain a life full of peace. What are those five ways? Number one, put your, what was it? Trust in him. Number two, what was it? Surrender. Number three, what was it? Seek for peace with others. Number four, remember the goodness of God. Number five, be persistent. Pretty simple. There's five ways. There's five days of the school week, of the work week, of the midweek. I want you to take a day and really focus on that. It's not overwhelming. Maybe, okay, Monday, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to try doing that, God, all day long. And I'm going to remember, I'm going to be filled with hope. And I'm going to trust you all day long. I'm just going to do that one thing, okay? The second day, surrender. Tuesday, can I surrender? God, Oh, those things, I give them to you. That means I'm not taking them back. I give them to you like I gave them to Tristan. Wednesday, seek for peace with others. Ooh, you said that, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Or I'm going to bless you instead. We have a saying, kill them with kindness. Those people that are annoying, that's like chalk uh, or fingernails on a chalkboard. Do you remember that from school? Ooh, no, I'm going to bless you instead. I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to be fake. I'm not going to be sassy. No. I'm going to be humble. And then remember the goodness of God. That's right, God. You've got this. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to remember all you've done. And number five, be persistent. I'm going to think my thoughts on purpose. Because our family's mantra is this, God's got this. All the time, we always say, God's got this. And if you will remember in all areas. If, as long as you do these things, if you will surrender, God will have it. But he can't have it if I've got it. Ooh, he can't have it. Can he? I'm not giving it to him. Now, I'm going to say, God, you've got this. I'm going to leave it in your hands. I'm going to do my part so you can do your part. And that is how you live with peace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you that it is possible to have peace, that it doesn't matter what's going on. Lord, I pray that we would have that revelation and that we would trust you with every fiber of our being because, Lord, you can be trusted. We know that you've already worked out the beginning from the end. And so, Lord, whatever situations we have that are concerning us, if they're physical or with our families or our jobs or any area of our life, Lord, we choose to trust you. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would fill us with that peace that passes all understanding. We thank you again for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. Bless, bless us this week as we trust in your unfailing mercy and your failing promises, Lord. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in 
And we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.